Welcome to our show, episode one of Raising Kaelin. The mission of Raising Kaelin is to reduce some of the anxiety that comes from facing the unknown. We are here today to share our experience so that parents of children with developmental delay remain hopeful, optimistic, motivated, and educated in the challenges that lie ahead and know that they are not alone. The purpose of this podcast is to create a community from which we can learn and share our diverse experiences and most importantly, our practical insights. This is a platform for parents to exchange on ideas on what's working and what's not. It's a forum to learn about what resources are out there, strategies and tips on how to balance it all. Do you have a time or a money saver? Hey, then let's share it. That's the kind of stuff we want the show to be made of. I am your host, Marsh Naidu, physical therapist by training and mom to Kellen, my seven-year-old son with cerebral palsy. You can learn more about our story on RaisingKellen.org. As a parent, Kellen's diagnosis at 14 months brought about a paradoxical response. The confirmation brought about the relief of knowing, yet at the same time it erupted into fear and a whole lot of panic. This volatile mix translated into rational and irrational thoughts. Rational thoughts were, will my baby be able to feed himself when he is hungry, drink when he's thirsty? Will he be able to speak, make his needs known, and say, Mama, oh, I love you? Will he be able to crawl, walk, play with his toys? Will he be able to go to the potty by himself? My irrational thoughts were that would drive me insane with anxiety. Well, would my 14-month-old graduate from college, get a job, get married, and find purpose in life? See what I mean when I say irrational? These were things I had absolutely no control of. But with the luxury of being five years down the line, I can see how those thoughts nearly consume me. In retrospect, I had to let it go to survive. I had to adapt. I had to change. The day-in, day-out hustle of multitasking my child's routine, doctor and therapy visits, making a living, keeping my marriage and health in check, added uh, with the added layer of keeping up with research on Kellen's diagnosis is unrelenting. I was at one of those burnout moments six months ago with, when I had a chance encounter at a local grocery store. Kellen was on his walker helping me check out when the young man behind the cash register asked, Ma'am, I hope you don't think this is personal, but what does your son have? This is not the kind of question you really want to hear in a checkout line, but I could see the genuine concern that it was asked uh, asked with, and I replied back, Kellen has cerebral palsy. The young man answered back, so do I. In that moment, my world stood still. In that instance, I caught a glimpse of Kellen's potential. I didn't quite trust myself to speak, too afraid that I would lose it. At home, I told Prakash about the run-in 
and was kind of ticked off at myself because I wished I'd asked that young man more about himself. There's always the next time was my husband's reply. Two days later at the outpatient therapy clinic I work at, the secretary radioed to let us know that there was a young man coming to the gym area to job shadow for physical therapy assistant or PTA school. As I opened the curtain to the treatment room, bam, there he was. That young man at the grocery store was standing right in front of me and is actually the reason why we got started on the idea of doing a podcast. That young man is Drake Box, and here he is with us today. Welcome to the show, Drake. Thank you for having me. There's something I never really got to ask you before, but what prompted you to start that conversation with me at at that store? Well, uh, honestly, like, I already had an idea of what the diagnosis would be with Kaylin, and I was just curious to know if if I was right. So I wanted to ask in, in probably the most respectful way that I possibly could, and if it was, then I was gonna try to talk more about it but obviously it wasn't the time and place just to sit and chat so I like you said I'd hope to see you again at some point so I could talk to you more about it and you know so it was kind of a a a chance encounter that you worked at the same place that I job shadow so (laughs) that was yeah that was that 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 was I mean I think there's just some things that you you can't really put down to faith I mean some things that you can't put down to coincidence coincidence right um for our listeners out there let's give them a little bit about your origin story tell us about drake box well um i'm proudly from the country of ukraine Uh, i was adopted when i was two by an american family Um, the orphanage situation over there in ukraine uh, was not ideal at all i was kind of left in a room by myself uh, because I have a, I had a birth defect in cerebral palsy and they didn't know what it was so they were just like yeah we're gonna put him off to the side a little bit and see what happens but uh, actually that probably helped me get adopted because my parents noticed me by myself and they were kind of like well what about him and so they visited for a while and, and then after a few months they said yeah it's like yeah we want him so um, you know I, I got to go home as early as possible because of my disability and when I got to America you know came into a house with four girls and no brothers and so so they kind of tortured me a little bit they knew what they were doing but you know I'm, I'm thankful for my family uh, so me being from Ukraine is a big part of my life and obviously my cerebral palsy is uh, the reason I do what I do on a daily basis and my the reason for my uh, career choice so what are your earliest memories uh, growing up, Drake? Uh, well, one of the very first memories that I have uh, is whenever I was actually in the orphanage. Uh, my dad would try to play with me with like this red fire truck, and like I, this is how I knew I was a mama's boy because every time he would try to play with me, I would start crying. But then my mom would hold me, and I would be perfectly fine. And so, like that just that just proves the point that a mama boy is real. And I was I was a big mama's boy. Uh, and then on the plane ride home, actually, I remember like I was like crying over something, and then the pilot came out 
and was like talking to me in Russian or whatnot. And so apparently I shut up for like the rest of the flight. When you had his voice. Yeah. Apparently I I was I was quiet for the rest of the flight after he told me what he told me. So you can imagine how long that flight was. You mentioned your mom. Can you tell us a little bit about her? Uh, my mom is uh, one of the biggest parts of my life. Uh, she she is the reason I, I'm here today along with my dad. But, you know, she's the reason I'm here. Uh, she is the reason that I wake up every day uh, to live my life, to make her proud of me. Uh, she is no longer here with me on this earth, but I know that she's always with me in my heart. So every time I wake up, you know, I, I think about her and, and think about what I could do to make myself better in order to make her proud. Uh, she was a strong, strong woman, and I just, I strive to be like her every day of my life. So, yeah. You, you talked a lot about, I mean, you're talking about your family right now, but tell me about some of your relationships outside your family. And here I'm, I'm talking about friends at school, um, people that may be your role models. Tell me a, a little bit about those relationships. I do have, I have one best friend that I've been friends with for uh, probably a decade, a little over. Uh, his name's Blake. We actually used to hate each other. In middle school, we actually used to hate each other. And then we started just, kind of just started talking. And he actually had like a really big crush on my sisters. So every time <laughs> my sisters would come by to pick me up, he would just be looking at us. So then we started talking and uh, We've just been friends ever since. He's like a brother to me. And then uh, another person that I'm really close to and uh, love a lot is my girlfriend, Anna. She uh, She's a big part of where I, why I am where I am today. She she pushes me 24-7 and uh, makes sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, waking up for class and everything. And, you know, I can, gen I can tell that she genuinely cares about me and that she loves me, so I have to show that exact same uh, amount of love back. So that's what I'm doing. So Laurie and Anna, those are your rocks? Those are yeah. the people that keep you grounded? Yep. Okay. If this is, uh, if you're not comfortable with this question, just let me know, okay? But in your perspective, what do you think a child with a, that, that may have a disability fears the most growing up? Well, uh, from my point of view, I was just scared that you know I wouldn't have I wouldn't have regular friends like I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to talk to people and you know to make genuine friends that actually you know cared about me uh, not just because they felt sorry for me that I had a disability or that I was in a wheelchair um, I was just scared that I wouldn't be able to adjust to you know society or like the place that the places where we live you know the the needs of of my of me uh, would you know overshadow all the things of, of a normal childhood. You know I was scared I wouldn't have a normal childhood that I wouldn't be able to do all the things, play sports, or anything. So basically, I was just mostly scared of not being able to live a, a quote unquote normal life. So yeah. All right, we talked about school there, right? So what's your standout memory of school, like in general, or like? High school or middle school? Let's talk. What about? Okay, let's take it down to primary school. What's your or elementary school? What was your standout memory of um, elementary school? Actually, in in primary school, um, there was this woman. Her name is uh, Monica. I can't think of her last name. I forgot her last name, but I always used to call her Miss Monica. And every time she would come into class, 
uh, I would always run over to her and sit in her lap. And then, you know, like our relationship got so close that I would go to her house after school and spend hours and hours over there. I remember riding a bike down her really long driveway and had like a big collection of uh, Hot Wheels cars that I got from her in like a suitcase or whatnot. But uh, yeah, I remember I remember her the most out of my primary days and early school days, but yeah. What, what was some of, you talked a little bit about uh, 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 your sport. What were your favorite sports that you were involved in? Or uh, did you play any sport? Or? I did play, I played baseball. Uh, I actually didn't get to play baseball until, until high school. Uh, I never got into like Dixie youth or anything. So I loved baseball. I also loved hockey with the same amount of intensity, but we live in Tennessee and there's no ice. So, <laughs> you know, I didn't get to play hockey, but I watched it like crazy. And I played baseball in high school, absolutely loved it. Um, and then I, I got a job, so I decided to quit and focus on my job and my schooling. And so, but, you know, I play baseball whenever I can with a group of friends, but I haven't played organized baseball in four or five years. What were your, your favorite subjects in school, Drake? What spoke to you? Most, mostly it was history. Uh, I like science, but I'll choose history over any subject any day. Uh, just because I like the, I like to like, I guess you could say like, dissect the thought process of the people, why they made like these ginormous decisions that would change, you know, the world's landscape forever, like World War II and, and you know, the beaches of Normandy and all that. Uh, it's just it's just interesting to me to try to understand the thought process of the the people that were in charge during that time. So, tell me about your your day to day routine. What does that involve? Um, usually I wake up first. <laughs> <laughs> usually I wake up and uh, you know start to I I'm supposed to stretch when I wake up. I'm supposed to stretch my legs. Now do I always do that? No. We'll be honest, but usually I wake up and then go get some breakfast somewhere. Um, after that, I'll probably go to Anna's house and, and see what she's doing, see what they're up to. And then I'll most likely, usually I go to work. Uh, I'll go to work around 12 and work until 10, 9. And then after that, I'll go back to Anna's house and take me a good nap and then go back home and work on any schoolwork that I have to do or eat me some dinner and maybe play the PS4 a little bit. There so. you go. Uh, d listen, growing up, did there have to be any modi uh, modifications made at school or at home for you? Or I did have a, a, an IEP, an in individual e education plan, mm -hmm. uh, because of my lack of, well, it's not just because of my disability, but I didn't understand English when I first came over here, obviously. So I was in speech classes for that. And then my uh, my cognitive ability was kind of had to be, you know, tested to yes, see where so. I was actually uh, capable of understanding and everything. So, so I did have an IEP up until fourth, fifth grade, maybe. Okay. Um, but uh, after that, you know, it was just kind of all normal classes and everything. So, so yeah, I had an IEP, but that's that's about it. That's okay. about the mo only no uh, modification. modification that I had. So you graduated from high school and you're now in your freshman year of college. Where to from now? Um, so I'm actually just starting my sophomore year. Excuse at, at me. <laughs> I actually just started my sophomore year at Dyersburg State. Uh, 
I plan to, after I complete my sophomore year, I plan to apply to a PTA program, most likely Jackson State, but, you know, i got to keep my options open, so I'll be looking at places in Nashville and everything. And if I don't get in um, in the spring, then I'll probably take my fall semester off and, and work and save as much money as I can for the next program, that, the next time that I apply for that program. But, yeah. Drake, what are your values? What makes you Drake? Uh, I see myself as a very uh, hardworking person in, in everything I do. I try not to, you know, I try not to just do it at the minimum. I try to give everything I can to every task that I'm involved in. Uh, so my work ethic is a big part of who I am, and I feel like I got that from my parents, mostly from my mom. And then uh, my respect level is, is, is a big thing for me. If I respect you, then, you know, it's a big deal because I see if, if I'm going to be respectful to you, you know, I expect the same. And You know, I like, I like everybody. I like everybody until you give me a reason not to. So, like, the respect for people that I don't even know is there, but until, you know, they give me a solid reason not to respect them, then, you know. But my respect and my work ethic is... is what makes me who I am. What are your drivers? What's, what's your, what are your motivational factors? What motivates you? Um, I talked about my mom a little earlier, and, and she's, she's the main reason that, that I try so hard in everything that I do because, you know, even though she's not here to see it, you know, to see it physically, I know she, she knows what I'm doing. She knows all the opportunities that I have because more opportunities are coming my way, like, you know, meeting you is not just, like you said, a coincidence. I feel like God put you there for a reason. And, uh, you know, who would have thought it would have got this far? But, uh, you know, my mom is the reason that I try so hard and the reason I stress over my schoolwork and stress over my job because I want to be the best that I, I can be for her and, and for me as well and for my future family. So That brings me on to the next question. Where do you see yourself in five years from now? Um, hopefully in a king-size bed in Hawaii. <laughs> hey, that, that sounds good. <laughs> but um, no, um, five years from now, uh, I hope to be in my career, just starting my career as a PTA. Um, my ultimate goal is to work in, in Shriners in St. Louis, in St. Louis, Missouri, because Shriners Children's Hospital is where I had my, my work done on my legs and my surgery and my PTA, or my PT. So. After that, you know, I kind of had that special connection with them, so I'd like to return the favor and help other kids with cerebral palsy out and um, try to help them live a, a good, solid life that they can be proud of. Okay. Right. What's the message you want parents to take home uh, that are listening to us today? Um, you know, this is coming from the quote-unquote child's perspective. Uh, you know, you said how you had the irrational thoughts about Kenlin and, and wondered if he would be able to live a normal life and have those relationships. Uh, I would just say that, you know, to the child, it seems normal to have what he, ha he or she has, you know, uh, because they don't know any different. They don't know what it's like to not live with cerebral palsy. So you just have to be, you have to be strong for, for your child because they look up to you um, no matter no matter what you do, they're they're gonna they're gonna be watching you. So, if they see you strong and 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 holding yourself together well in those really dark times of, you know, what's gonna happen to him? Is he gonna be able to, 
you know, do all these things that I can do and, and have a job and a career and, you know, all that. Uh, if you're able to hold yourself together well and, and put a smile on your face, then they're going to be able to go throughout the day and think, okay, well, I can do this. If, if my mom or dad can do this, then, you know, why can't I? You know, so I feel like you just got to be strong when you're around your child and it's okay to break down every once in a while. Just make sure that your child knows that, that anything that's put in front of them, they can they can get past and they can beat. And then you just got to love your child. You know, you, you just, no matter what happened to them or, you know, what's what's different about them from other children, you need to make sure that they're, they know that they you loved. love them. Yeah, you love them with genuine care and you genuinely want to see them succeed and, you know, that you're not going to let this disability hold them back from anything that they want to do in their life. So. Jake, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I know that your message is one that parents like me need to hear. What's remarkable is that you are choosing a career where your mindset as well as your abilities are going to make a huge difference to kids. So if there's any PTA school out there listening, we vote that Drake gets a placement. I understand that you want to be a motivational speaker, Drake. If there are groups or organizations out there that would like to reach out to you, how can they contact you? Um, the quickest way would probably be email. So uh, my email is uh, drakebox1224 at gmail.com. Um, and I'll have it on raisingkeenland.org. That way it's, it's easy to reach. So. Now, parents, if you would like to feature on the podcast or just plain old share your experiences, you can reach me through the website grazingkellen.org. Before I leave, I'm going to share the story with you. Kellen started primary school at three years old as part of the early intervention program. So for the last four years, I've taken Kellen to school and he's basically got to go 150 feet from the car to the front door. I started with pushing him in his stroller, then pushing him along in his gate trainer, to pulling him along on his skate walker, to finally where he now gets with his walker to the school door. Part of this trek includes scooting up a 25 foot moderate incline along the way, which we call his mountain. He doesn't only have me coaching and nudging him along. He knows that when he gets to that door, his principal, Miss Linda, is there to greet him with a sticker and usually something along the lines of, I see you working so hard. Every parent and every child needs that positive image, that expectation to strive to do their best. Whether it's Drake or Miss Linda, you need someone there to help you to the top of your mountain. We have now come to the end of our podcast. I would like to give special thanks to Alan Ingalls for his amazing technical skills in making this project a reality and in getting the message out. So thank you, Alan. Till we see you the next time, this is Marsh Naidu signing off with get to the top of your mountain.